Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Overtime Podcast. Um, this podcast is put on by the On The Call Sports on Instagram. Um, this is a page where we cover all kinds of sports, um, football, MLB, NHL, everything that's happening. And, you know, we give you a quick rundown of everything that's been happening this week. Um, you know, for this group, I um, and Noah, I run Brown Central on Instagram. Um with me today, I have Dylan and Dom. Um, we're going to be, you know, running this whole thing with you, uh, keeping you up to date with everything. So, Dylan, do you want to say um, a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, I'm Dylan, uh, a freshman in high school, and I really love analyzing and thinking about sports. And that's why I was really excited to join this podcast. Looking forward to having a great, uh, great, some great episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm Dominic, and I am as well a freshman, and I love talking about sports, everything sports, and I'm most like, like, my f- favorite sport to talk about, my best knowing one is probably football, NFL. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're all sports guys, you know, uh, typically we love NFL, um, and NFL is going to be a huge subject of what we talk about here, and that's actually going to be our focus point for um, right now, so... Yesterday we had kind of a um, a lot of trades going on. Uh, we had Jalen Ramsey who went to the Rams. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey was a uh, has wanted out of Jacksonville for a little bit. Um, so the Rams decided to send two first round picks and um, a twenty twenty one fourth round pick uh, to Jacksonville in exchange for Jalen Ramsey. Um, uh, Dylan, what do you think of this trade? I honestly think that, um, well, the Rams are going to have, they just traded, we'll, we'll get to that next trade in a second, don't want to spoil anything, but they just put uh, Aqib Tlaib on IR, and now one of their other secondary pieces is out the door, and they put John Johnson, their safety, on IR, so now they're going to have Ramsey. That secondary has taken a few hits, I think this was, a, it made sense for them to make this move because of their secondary injuries, although I think that two first-round picks. If you wanted Jalen Ramsey, you were going to have to give up that price, and the Rams are probably going to be picking in the 20s in the next few years. So I think it's a good trade as long as just Ramsey can show up and be committed. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, You know, the one thing that's kind of hitting them is cap space. You have Jared Goff, who signed that massive contract. Then you have Todd Gurley, who also is on a pretty big contract. And then, you know, you're going to have to give Aaron Donald um, a huge contract. And now Jalen Ramsey, you know, he wants a long-term contract with a lot of money. The Rams uh, mutually want a big contract with him. So that's going to be um, a pretty big issue with uh, just, you know, figuring all that out. Um, Dom, how do you think, you know, they can really get, uh, adapt to this and figure out a way to – um, bring in some cap space and, you know, make everything okay. Um, what I think they're going to do is, like, maybe get rid of, of some of their older players, like Whitworth. I could see them. I don't know if they're going to cut them, but, like, make them take a hit, like, worth cap, make them make more money. I could money, see that. Less mm-hmm. money. He's um, a team player. I could see that. Yeah. Like, some of those older players. And also, like, this was a little too much. I mean, two first-round picks. They don't have a first-round pick for five years straight. And, like, I mean, the young players they need. And also, even though they just traded for, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but Austin Corbett, 
um, this alignment. Um, they need more line help because they've not been be- being able to get Gurley going. And when Gurley is going, they're so much so much of a better football team. Yeah, and uh, Gurley's a big point because, you know, Sean McVay has, since week one has said, Gurley's fine, um, you know, his knee is fine, he's playing great. Um, and it's evident that he's not up to where he was uh, last year. He doesn't or, look the same. Yeah, before he got hurt. And, you know, this is something that they need to fix. And, um, you know, it, at this point, it seems like you're throwing away cap because if Gurley's not, you know, healthy and then Goff isn't playing up to his potential, um, you know, I, it's going to come down to you're going to need to get rid of, I think you're going to get uh, need to get rid of, you know, Brandon Cooks or somebody like that, which I know is kind of yeah. big, but, um, you know, this is just something that you need to take care of. Um, but, you know, Dom brought up Austin Corbett. He was, um, you know, uh, offensive lineman for the Browns. Um, they traded him away for a fifth-round pick. Um, the Browns obviously are very lackluster in offensive line depth. Um, Corbett was drafted 33rd overall in 2018, and he's only played 13 snaps. Um, you know, it's it's really an issue. Um, you could say on Cleveland's part that, you know, they probably shouldn't have traded him, traded him um, just because, you know, they need that help. But now, like you said, um, if they do end up getting rid of Whitworth, you can have Corbett jump in um, and, you know, really uh, help help that offensive line and give Goff uh, some protection. Something I want to add is I think they're being too conservative. Like, they're trying to preserve Gurley for the playoffs because last year he wasn't able to go full snaps because of injury. Like, they need to win now because they're in a hole in the division, just got mauled by the 49ers. I think they just need to go all out. Like, I mean, you can't worry about the playoffs yet when you're not even, like, in the playoffs right now. Yeah, that's uh, I agree with that. I also like the point they made earlier, Dom, about how the five first-round picks, they haven't had their first-round pick from 2017 through 2021. I think that's Mm going to be one of the biggest issues for them. Though they do have Ramsey, for a team that – we all know that Rams are very talented, but for a team that has many talented players on large contracts, they need draft picks so they can get accumulate talented young players on cheap contracts so they can be able to like afford some of the better players that have been leaked for a while on their big contracts. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see how um the Rams management and organization figures out how to deal with all this cap space because they don't have much. Yeah. It also doesn't help that I'm sorry to interrupt that Ramsey's a locker room disease sometimes, so maybe that can split apart the team. Like every so often, say a contract comes up and they don't pay him, that could always like the A B situation. It could become like a like a sitting out type thing. Also, do you think he's gonna play this Sunday against the Falcons? Because the past two weeks he's been like out with a back injury. Like was he actually? We don't know. Um, but I. Some people feel like he's just going to make like the quickest recovery of all time and play on Sunday just because he's out of um, Jacksonville and he's he just wants to play. So do you think he'll be able to play this week or do you think they'll either let him make him not play or do you think he'll say he's not ready? Well, I don't I, think they'd play him. Uh, You're going to see him. Yeah, um, I think, you know, they said after he got traded, his uh, status was upgraded to probable. Um, so, you know, that's obviously shows he, you know, wasn't really injured. He right. Did see it. He saw a back specialist, but I mean, you know, it, it could go either way. You know, if it, it could be a little bit of pain, 
and just kind of milk it a little bit. But, um, you know, he does still have to get a physical. It takes like, you know, two days to process or something like that. There is a good chance that he'll play just because it happened, um, you know, kind of a little bit earlier in the week. So they have like a set time frame where he can come back. But, um, yeah, I think the one issue is you're going against Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Um, then you're going to have Calvin Ridley, and now you're stuck with Robbie Coleman, who seems to get burnt on every route that he plays. And um, you don't have a keep to lead. You don't have um, your safety. Yeah, you have Eric Weddle, but, you know, there's only so much that Ramsey and Weddle can do. Um, so I think that'll be a really interesting game just to see how this team really meshes together. I agree, um, and, especially if Ramsey plays. Yeah, and, you know, if Ramsey plays, it's going to be – he's going to play his heart out and uh, shows that uh, Jacksonville kind of made a mistake in not paying him earlier. Yeah, let's see how he uh how he performs. Yeah, um so another trade that happened was uh Marcus Peters the, um Jimmy Smith is out uh for the rest of the season. You know, th- their secondary is kind of a weak spot um but you have Marlon Humphrey and now you're going to add Marcus Peters back there. Um they're very two, you know, characteristic guys. So that's going to be um very interesting to watch. Um they're both obviously great players. Um, so just uh, really having them in that backfield is just going to be um, tremendous for the Ravens. And uh, this week, the Ravens play the Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson obviously went off against the Browns. Um, Tyler Lockett just, you know, didn't they didn't really connect a lot, but he – Wilson is able to use um, a bunch of his other targets to his advantage um, and, you know, get as many yards out of them as possible. So it'll be a real task to see how, you know, quickly they can adapt to um, just how quickly Peters can adapt to um, this whole defensive scheme that the Ravens have in uh, locking up Wilson. Another big, um, another big reason why this trade is so significant is that during the, I believe it was a Steelers-Ravens game. Ravens safety Tony Jefferson tore his ACL and possibly more, as John Harbaugh said. So even they have even less depth in that secondary. So I think this trade helps them out. And they uh, also the Ravens gave up inside linebacker Kenny Young to um, ship him out to Los Angeles in exchange for Peters. I think that was. I mean, it's a good trade. Kenny Young's good. Peters is good. Peters just needs to show that he can be like. He's been he's been getting burned a lot, so he needs to show that he can be like the 2016, 2017 Marcus Peters, who was just like one of those guys who just you don't throw to. Yeah, and um, the yeah. one thing is you have to look at the Ravens who are losing their linebackers. You lose C.J. Mosley, now you lose Kenny Young, um, and then you also lose Terrell Suggs, and that's right. just you know a huge blow. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think linebacker is going to be a position that you need to start looking at, but um, yeah, this definitely is uh, one step to helping their defense out. Yeah, um, I like the move for the Ravens, especially with the injuries that Dylan was mentioning. Um, they didn't. Re- I mean, Kenny Young was a, a good player, fifth round pick. You take your chances with it, but um, yeah, I think it's worth it for a veteran in the locker room and a pretty solid player for a third cornerback if needed. Um, I think it's a good move for the Ravens. I think that also the Ravens, um, the 
as you said, Noah, that they might need to address the linebacker situation. The top linebacker in this year's draft would be Dylan Moses. He tore his ACL about a month ago, linebacker from Alabama. So that'll be interesting to see if he's still the number one linebacker drafted or considered or if it'll be another guy like Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Well, he's he's a he's a beast. He's 6'4", 210. He can play like anywhere that he might be the first linebacker taken or linebacker slash safety hybrid is kind of what he plays over Moses because the Ravens might target both of those guys. They need some need some front seven, especially linebacker help. Yeah, and uh, circling back to, you know, the Alabama linebacker, um, same with Mac Wilson, who went to Alabama and was a linebacker. Um, you know, after he, you know, had an injury, he fell in uh, the draft and he fell down to the fourth, third round, I believe. No. I believe it was second. the fifth. Yeah, fifth. Um, and he's obviously been a decent coverage guy for the Browns. Um, so, you know, if – Alabama has some issues, you know, um, issues with, you know, injuries, but, you know, the linebackers eventually come out strong. Um, so if they do end up grabbing him, then the Ravens will just be um, really set on that defense. And, you know, their team is so young and they have so much time to develop that um, it's just, you know, it's going to be scary to see what they can actually do if they, you know, start making some trades and uh, stuff like that and really establishing themselves. Yeah, I agree. Um, so switching off to trades now, you know, there's been some um, issues with officiating in the past. Um, and now, you know, on the Monday night game with the Lions and Packers, um, there were two terrible calls um, that were called on Trey Flowers, who got two um, illegal hands to the face when he was, you know, going back to try to sack Aaron Rodgers. Um, he gets his right hand or left hand up um, under the shoulder pads of their uh, tackle. And, you know, he's he's kind of bending his head back a little bit as if, you know, his hand is going up under his helmet, you know, in his face area. Um, they were two terrible calls. And then the second one, you know, set gave Green Bay um, out on a bad pass, which could have been a touchdown, but, you know, it was kind of out a little bit. So then it moves him up um, a couple yards and then ends up setting up Crosby for a field goal, which won the game. Um, Dom, how do you like? What did you did you watch that game first of all? Yes, I was watching that live. Yeah. So what what was your reaction when those uh, two penalties were called? So at first, like the first one that was called, I was like, all right, maybe it was legal use of the hands. Like, wow, bad timing for a penalty. Then I was watching the replay, and it wasn't. I was like, just like, I was listening to the, the bugger McFarlane not how they need to re- make this reviewable. Like, I say, like, in the later portion of the, ga- the game, like the last two minutes, like, every penalty should be reviewable because that's just like, that's a huge blow. Like, that can make the Lions not make the playoffs. They'd be first in the division right now, and it's just like, it's not fair. That's all yeah, I think. I- yeah, it's you know I I've said uh, maybe in the last five minutes or so, if there's a penalty that you really disagree with, you can have you know one challenge play, and the NFL has you know they're trying to fix um, the how much time games take up. Yes, it could add some extra time, but if it's in a situation like this where the call is completely blown and it's gonna change the course of the game, 
yes, I know the Lions missed some red zone opportunities, but, you know, it, it still pushes them back. Green Bay makes a field goal, and then it gives the Lions back the ball, and they have time to set up a drive. It's just, you know, something that the NFL needs to fix. And they've always been talking – they've talked about their officiating, and they say, well, we're fixing it, we're working on it. They're not. And, you know, they made a huge step with the pass interference and making that, you know, reviewable. But it's just – there's so many other things you need to focus on, and it needs to happen, like, right away. I agree with that. I mean, it's it's very evident that the uh, officiating issues have not been taken care of. Also, during the Falcons and Cardinals game in Arizona this past uh, Sunday, the there was a pass by Murray to one of the Cardinals receivers, and he caught it. And as he was being tackled, he rolled over one of the Falcons secondary players and fumbled the ball. And one of the Falcons players recovered in the end zone, and they called it that he was down. The replay clearly showed he was not down, and even um, I believe it was Steratore, Gene Steratore, the NFL rules fishy, uh, like official head of officiating, mm-hmm. was um, looking at that play, and he said that that was a fumble. And then later, with Kyler Murray running for a first down, he said he was out of bounds. Going back to that Lions-Packers game, though, I just saw this tweet from Sean Borman. It says, per NFLpenalties.com, Green Bay leads the NFL in beneficiary yards this season which is when a team's opponent is called for a penalty. So the penalty, the Packers have gotten the most amount of yards off penalties in the entire league, and Detroit is last. That's That was proved even more this past, uh, this past game that they played. And yeah. also the, um, the, the difference between being first in division and being last, that's a big difference, and the rest just really screwed over the Lions. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, um, oh. Also, um, earlier in the game, there was a uh, when it was a Lions player going to intercept the ball, and a, um, I forget who it was. I think it might have been MVS. He was diving across the field, and the guy went for the ball and like bumped him in the head, and they called it a personal foul. And I just thought that was horrible. And also, I just got some breaking news that um, Brock Osw- Osweiler has retired from the NFL. I just saw that on on a SBE football. On Instagram, yeah, yeah um, you know he, that's that's kind of a shame that he retired, but and that's crazy. Time, yeah, um, I also just saw Sean Oakman was selected in the XFL draft by the Los Angeles Wildcats. Are you serious? Yeah, so that's Dude. a good return for him. Also, uh, this uh, Miles Garrett situation oh, tweeted yeah. that he got he got punched by someone. That's that's crazy. Um, I definitely think the NFL is going to take a look at that. If I mean, there's nothing that you can really do. If Garrett apparently didn't get, you know, a facial of the guy, he didn't, you know, um, you know, obviously didn't get a picture. You know, couldn't really see who it was. But you know, if they could possibly, you know, bring up camera or something like that, then there's definitely going to be some inclination for that guy. Um, but I going definitely back, see that happening. Yeah. Um, but going back to that Lions-Packers game, um, it's just you know. The penalties in throughout the NFL have been uh, just terrible. And the thing about the beneficiary yards, like you mentioned, Dylan, is that, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Most of the penalties are going to be called on the quarterback, you know, on the offense somehow. But it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They're obviously going to, you know, pay attention a little bit more closely, especially, you know, if it's like Tom Brady or um, – if Andrew Luck was still in the league, Tom you know. Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those are the guys that get benef- like get the most amount of calls to go their way. 
but like a lot of the other top quarterbacks that just like don't complain they kind of deal with it they don't get it like Mahomes doesn't really get a lot of calls um Wilson I mean he gets some calls but he he usually just plays the game like he just wants to play he doesn't need to complain about anything and if he gets the call then he gets it but I like that about the the quarterbacks that don't always look for a flag and always get it and always are favored. Yeah, in the um, Chiefs game against the Texans, there's a play where, you know, Mahomes is trying to throw a ball down deep. He sees that there was a little bit of contact before the ball was thrown, so he, you know... On Kelsey, it, I saw yeah, that. throws it over there, and, you know, there it ends up getting intercepted, and there was no flag. Um, Kelsey you know, was dragged to the ground by two Texans defenders, and there was no call. And I saw a video of, like... That didn't get a penalty, and also like what Gronk has had to deal with for past ten years, he's been having to get like triple covered and yanked and pulled and pushed, and there was no calls on him either. Exactly. I, that's surprising to me, especially because of the notion that people have about the Patriots, um, and and the and the referees and like just favoritism and stuff like that. But I guess the refs just don't see him getting because he fights through it all, and he still gets like. A catch every single time he's being triple covered so I guess they don't feel a need to throw the flag but I still think that's just it needs to be fixed like they need to actually pay attention to where there's contact happening yeah it's just you know it's definitely I think there's there could be favoritism um in a way but you know if you look at the um Browns Ravens game OBJ was getting held by Humphrey the entire time and there was no flag called at all um, but it, it, you know, if you go to the, uh, what game was it? I think it was the 49ers game, Browns 49ers game, Callaway's going out for a pass and, you know, he gets, he gets hit a little bit and, you know, there's a flag there. So I think it's with the bigger players that there's definitely not, they think, oh, they can fight through their bigger players, you know, they're all-star, uh, pro bowl players, whatever they can deal with it deal with it but the smaller receivers that you know they're they kind of need the calls to be called um and just uh you know that that's what helps them in a way definitely yeah. um so you know switching switching gears off of the nfl um mob postseason um all of this you know it, it was it's kind of crazy Everybody was thinking, oh, you know, the Braves are going to get this and, you know, all this stuff. Um, they the should Braves have. Are, yeah, they're the strongest team right now. Um, I obviously thought, you know, the Braves were going to do great, um, but it just kind of ended up um, falling flat for them. Um, so, Dylan, you obviously uh, have paid attention to it. Um, what do you think um, of what's been happening? I just – so the main reason – that the Braves lost that series. Well, first of all, the main reason that they did not win the game, win the series in a sweep 3-0 was because of game one, Mark Melanson giving up four runs in the ninth inning. Then again, mm-hmm. so just the entire series, the I believe I saw this stat that Freeman, Markakis, and Donaldson went like a combined seven for 50 in the entire series. And the middle of the lineup was doing absolutely nothing. The only players that were contributing like I feel really bad for Ronald Acuna Jr. because he was consistently getting he got lead off double lead off triple in the same game I believe I think that was game four or yeah I believe it was game four and he lead off double lead off triple and he got stranded both times he was the one who was consistently hitting the ball consistently making 
good contact, getting on base for the for the middle of the lineup, which is supposed to be like the RBI machines. Freeman, I think, had a career high in RBIs this year, and they just they did nothing. Also, Freeman's bone spurs that they um, that he had been dealing with for the past few weeks, I, in my opinion, they are more serious than the reports would make us believe because he just was not covering the plate the same. He was not, with the exception of the home run in game one, he hadn't hit a home run since the beginning of September. So I think this injuries just affected him and just the, I don't know what happened to the middle of the lineup. It just did not show up at all. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, it's definitely something that like uh, Akuno, like you said, before the postseason started, there was like, you know, the, um, some of the coaches and stuff were kind of unhappy with his work ethic a little bit because, you know, there's, um, he went, you know, he hit a ball, you know, he thought for sure it was a home run. He kind of didn't run um, the bases, you know, like he should have fast enough. And he's just kind of sitting there like, you know, watching it go off. And he only gets to, I think he gets to first base or second base. And then he just stops running because he didn't give himself time to, you know, start running and all that. And um, just kind of, didn't give a lot of hustle. Um, so I think they ended up losing that game. I mean, it was before the postseason, so it didn't really matter. But, you know, that's that's something that um, everybody looked at a little bit. Um, and if, you know, I could see Braves fans kind of being a little mad about that. Um, it, I don't think it translated into the postseason at all. The Braves played as hard as they could, um, and, you know, they just kind of got outskilled. Um but, you know, I, I honestly would have liked to see, you know, Nationals and Braves, but, you know, can't have everything. The Braves um, actually so – oh, go ahead. Um, I don't – like, I don't think we should put this all on the hitting because the pitching, I mean, wasn't the last game especially. It's 13 runs and three innings last or whatever game, it was. Last game, it, it blew up. Just yeah. blew up. Yeah. I think I think that's what they need to focus on. I mean, they got like how they got Shane Green and another guy like at the deadline. I think they need to get starters because they had Mike Soroka, Fultonavich blew up in the last game. I think they need more veteran guys to be able to pitch because Soroka is like a rookie. You know, he's great. They need some veterans for the playoffs. I think that it'll be insanely expensive, and he's this free agent. This uh, upcoming free agency will be getting like. 300 million which is like the highest pitcher contract ever the Braves need to be going pushing hard for Garrett Cole need a frontline starter to lead this rotation and I just don't think that Soroka is ready for that yet and I also don't think Keuchel is what he used to be anymore and then Fultonevich yeah. and Tehran and we have just like a lot of question marks in our uh pitching rotations and I just think that Garrett Cole needs to be a top priority also Acuna he did uh, lack hustle in one of the games before the postseason, but I think it was either game one or game two that he – it was game one because we lost that game. He got to first and get, didn't get to second, but then later in the inning there was a line drive to short and he was on second and he started running and he got doubled off. I think that if he had been at, been at third and the, the same play would have happened, he still would have gotten doubled off. I don't blame that on him. I just – that can't happen in a postseason, but let's move on from the Braves to the. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, mean, also the Cardinals had a lot of blue pits. Let me just say that a lot of little, lot of a. Uh, it's a game of everyone says that football is a game of inches. Baseball is 
almost as much of a game of inches as football. It's just how there were two doubles like that barely snuck inside the base, uh, the foul lines, and some blue pits and just some some unlucky breaks. All right, so now to the other side of the NLCS or the NL um, playoff bracket. So the Nationals, they surprised everyone by beating the Dodgers, and it was. Nobody thought they could do it. I didn't think they could do it. I was hoping they wouldn't, but they did. And it's it's crazy how how much uh, their offense just started to come alive in those last few months. They were down by like 15 games in the division at one point, and now they're going to the World Series. It's crazy how much they turned their season around. And without Bryce Harper, that was a big story. Yeah, I um, think this team. Sorry to interrupt. No, um, I think this team ra- kind of rallied around the I loss think they of did. Bryce Harper. I think they did. Um, like also this the pitching staff is amazing. Like Anibal Sanchez has been great in the playoffs, and like the bullpen's a little shaky, but I mean they're pitching. They'll go five six innings, and Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez have been great. Like. They don't. They don't need the best bullpen. Their offense is showing up. Everybody's playing well. It's just everything. Everything's clicking for them right now. Juan Soto was going to be a star in this league. He had like one of them, mm-hmm. like a historic season for a for his age, or for any age really, but especially for his age. And also the the emergence of Victor Robles, and also the continued just like continued amazing play of. And underlooked play of Rendon were two yeah. two major uh two major factors, and then the under the radar bullpen move at the at the deadline to acquire Daniel Hudson for that back end of the bullpen was mm-hmm. kind of just like a okay you traded for this guy he hasn't been very good he turned his entire season around. Congrats to the Nationals. I mean they they played like the better team against the Dodgers, and then they just dominated the Cardinals. It's the AL is more dominant, and I believe that the Astros will win either five or six against the Yankees and then again against the Nationals. But we'll see how it goes because you never know. Baseball is so unpredictable. You never know who's going to win, even if someone has motiva- uh, motivation and momentum and like they're trending a certain way and they're, they seem like the better team. The Braves seemed like the better team, and they, and they lost. So it's just the Dodgers also. It's, playoff baseball is great. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you, so for the Dodgers' loss, do you think, you know, is it time to you know look at maybe some better pitching? Kershaw, don't get me wrong, has been you know phenomenal, but there are some times where you know he seems to get kind of flustered, um, kind of falls flat, um, and you know <clears throat> just kind of doesn't perform like uh, you know they want him to. Um, so do you think that there needs to be a change in pitching where, you know, you move up um, Jensen a little bit and, you know, kind of bump off um, Kershaw, or do you just kind of keep it how it is? Um, I don't – I'm not sure. I mean, the rotation's great, but I think they need to develop a little bit more. Like Bueller, he's already great. Bueller is already years, a stud. He's, he's going to be great. Um, I was surprised with – not starting Ryu like the like game five or whatever it was, even though Bueller started and did fine, I think Ryu would have been like good for like the first three innings and bring in Bueller. I, I, if I were them, I would have brought in everybody that game because it's a must win. Like, I would have brought in Ryu over Kershaw. 
But like I think they need the like I think they need better managing. I mean they have a great manager. Um Dave Roberts, is that him or is that the Nats? That's Dave uh the that is Dave Roberts, I believe. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay, I so think the Nat, he's, I think the Nats is Martinez. Okay, that's what I thought as well. So um yeah, I think like Kenley Jansen bringing him him in look earlier and their uh, their other bullpen arms would have been better than Kershaw after like because Kershaw has been historically pretty bad in the postseason, so I think they need to base off that and give him a rest. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, his like po- his after sixth inning ERA in the postseason is like over six. It's been it's been rough for him. Uh, any just like a quick touch on the AL? I believe that the Astros are well. They were made the favorites. They were already top two, top three favorites to win the to win the World Series before the trade deadline, but the trade deadline solidified that. They now have three legitimate aces and two, the two top uh, Cy Young candidates in Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and then another great, great, great pitcher, Zach Granke, who they acquired from Arizona. I just think that this team, this pitching, and then their offense, who is, they have potential MVP in Bregman, breakout season from Alvarez, 30-plus home runs, like three other players. I just think that the Astros team is too dominant to lose in a seven-game series to the Yankees, which is this series is finishing up this week and then it's the beginning of next week, or the Nationals. I just think the Astros will win in six in this series and the next one. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the Astros are um, the stronger team coming into this. And, you know, if I think, you know, the Astros will end up, you know, winning the World Series again just because their roster is just so, you know um, – dominant I guess that it just kind of overpowers everybody um if you know if it does end up not working out in the Astros favor um then I think the Nationals will kind of overpower the Yankees um I really like how the Nationals have been playing and it's just um I think that it'll be a really good matchup but I think you know just after the lost Harper they had to step it up a lot and that's what they did. So um, if the Nationals do win this World Series, it'll be fantastic. It's kind of like an in-your-face to Harper. And yeah, um, DC is. will kind of celebrate. Um, yeah, so, I, agree. I agree with that. Yeah, um, the game was scheduled for tomorrow, I believe, and they had to move it to Friday, um, which, you know, will – some scheduling conflict with the Ohio State game, um, you know, switches channels. I don't know what's happening with that, but you know, ex- watch that. The game is on on Friday, not tomorrow. Anyway, um, so moving on to the MLB, there is twenty days until college basketball. So Whew. obviously, there's the big team. You know, Duke loses R.J. Barrett, uh, Zion Williamson. Those were the, you know, two big – the big two. You Don't know, forget it, about Cam Reddish. Yes, Cam Reddish, obviously. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the Duke big three, um, they are all gone. Um, you have Trey Jones who stayed back. I think that was a smart move if I was, you know, either yeah. of those three, I would have stayed for one more year. But, you know, got to move in for the next class. Um, so, you move in, Cassius Stanley, five-star player. He's just going to light up. Duke, you know, just electrify them. I don't think he's definitely not going to be Zion level, but just that impact that he's going to bring, 
you know, he's it's just gonna be phenomenal. He already did like a three sixty dunk in practice, you know. Just, yeah. I mean, he's gonna be something special to watch. Um, so Dylan, what do you think of like, you know, this Duke team since they're down those three big players? Um, how do you think, you know, they'll do this year? I think Duke will continue to be amazing. Um, as they as they are every year, but I just think that the the coach K is just he's one of the greatest coaches ever, if not the greatest basketball coach ever in uh, college basketball. Him, he doesn't need like even though they had Zion and RJ and Cam and all these great players that they've had over the past decade, they don't. He doesn't necessarily need like every single player to be a five star. He just he coaches these players so well that I just believe that they'll make the at least the Sweet 16 every year under his tenure. And it only helps that they have like four four stars, three five stars. It just it just adds on to like the riches that they already have. I just think that Duke is going to be among the top teams yet again, even though they lost their uh, main three players from, from last year's team. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to touch on that you said earlier, Noah um, – I kind of disagree with you with saying that Zion, RJ, or Cam should stay back because they are all guaranteed top 15, I'd say, guaranteed. Cam Radish is probably on the bottom end of that. But, um, like, like what happened to Cardell Jones from Ohio State, the QB, he um, he was, like, a first-round pick, and he decided to stay back and then, like, this finishes college studying, and he was a fourth-round pick, and now he's in, like, the XFL right now. But but touching on Duke, um, they're going to be great. It's kind of like Nick Saban, um, Coach Krzyzewski, like doesn't need a great team, but he just makes everybody on their team great, and they'll be a great team once more. And Sweet Sixteen, if they don't get upset by like something crazy, I think they're they're a shoe in for the Sweet Sixteen. I agree yeah. with that, and I also just about the Cardell Jones thing. That same situation happened with uh, running back from Stanford, Bryce Love. He was like top five in Heisman voting. Mm-hmm. in two seasons ago and then he he was like projected to be like a possibly a top three running back drafted uh in the 2018 draft then he went back for a senior year and he tore his ACL and he ended up going in the fifth or sixth round that's just mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen like you take you either take the like, the guaranteed money or you want to come back and see if you can prove yourself and then you get injured and then it ruins a lot of things for you um but just about uh going back to Duke basketball so they have the number six recruit in the country Vernon Carey coming in for this 2019 class. Well, he'll be a freshman this year. They have Matthew Hurt, who's a 12th-ranked player in the country, power forward. They have Cassius Stanley. It's just the the amount of talent that Duke and Kentucky consistently bring in is is absurd. Kentucky has Brandon Boston. They have uh, Khalil Whitney, Tyrese Maxey. It's crazy. It's just that these these top teams, I believe there is a new – Blue blood that is going to be starting to rise in the very near future. Can anyone do you think you guys know what the team is? Kansas, Georgia. I'm not that biased. <laughs> no, nah, I'm gonna <laughs> say Kansas. Kansas is they've bagged some. Uh, wait, no, what am I talking about? I think Kansas is actually kind of falling off the um blue blood stage a little bit, but I think someone who could replace them is very soon. Is Memphis? Memphis, wow. UNC oh, is already there, UNC is already up there. Memphis yeah, has Memphis got James Wiseman. The number one recruit in the country, James Wiseman. He's seven foot. They have 
a top 20 recruit, Precious Achua from uh, Florida. They have a lot of great recruits, and they just – they now have – I believe they have Penny Hardaway coaching now. Mm-hmm. So I just think that that team could easily join, like, the elites very soon. I could, I definitely could see that. And here, let me, re- I'm going to read the top five and then, uh, or the top 10 ranked um, at the moment. And then you guys tell me, um, you know, this is, this is according to Sports Illustrated, but, you know, tell me if there's anything that you would switch around. Um, Michigan State at one, Kentucky at two, yeah. Duke at three, Louisville at four. Villanova I'm not sure five. about that. Louisville might be a bit high. I agree. Uh, Villanova at five, Kansas at six, Maryland at seven. That's high. Gonzaga at eight. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Um, it is. Ohio State at nine, and Texas Tech at ten. Um, I don't know I just much. To touch about... on Ohio State. Um, they had that one guy. I forget his name. Um, he's a center. I'm sorry, I forget his name, but um. He's a good player, but I don't, I don't know about wherever they were. But also, um, uh, I think Duke too, um, over Kentucky, and also um, Michigan State definitely deserves number one because Cassius Winston is probably going to be the best player in the country this year, and a good coach Tom is. So I think they'll be a great team. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised UNC isn't like I don't even. Uh, I don't even know where they are. They're not even on this list. They're not top yeah, 10. No. They're not even top 25. Uh, I mean, they lost. They did lose a lot of uh, – oh, you're ta- are you talking about Diallo, the center from Ohio State? Oh, yeah. He oh, I forgot about him, but there's this other guy. He's a big uh, guy. He, he was good in the um, – in the... Caleb Wesson. Caleb Wesson. Wesson. Oh, yeah. He's a forward. He's a forward, sorry. But he, he was a good player last year. I remember where – when they beat um, Iowa State in the bracket, he was stellar. I agree. I just think that, like, the, the well, the 2020 um, NBA draft, I, we know, we know, we know that there's no set draft order until the lottery happens in May, but, like, we all know who's going to be, like, the bottom few teams. It's going to be, like, the Hornets and the Cavs and the, just, like, the lottery teams. So, uh, Noah or Dom, do you want to give a quick, like, maybe prediction for the 2020 NBA draft? Just, like, some either um, teams and players or could, just players? We could, we, yeah, we could do that. Or, like, we could do, like, we each get the pick. So, um, I'll be first overall. Dylan will be like second. Okay. Noah yeah. third. We could do, All like, right. we could do two of those, like, through six players. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, don't mean to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, first this overall is, pick. This is I'm provided in. that the team that is picking at the slot needs that position we're not going by like if it's the Cavs yeah. and they're taking then yeah. we're not going to have let's just say that the Cavs we're not going to pick a point guard for them we're going to pick probably like a wing or a big man just because that's what they need okay mm-hmm. go ahead yeah so Charlotte Hornets first overall pick I'm going to go with James Wiseman um he's raw talent but he's so talented he's got the body and skill of a modern if not future NBA player and um he might not be the most polished prospect, but you cannot type, pass up on his size. Seven foot, 230 pounds, and he can stretch the floor. So I think he's a shoo-in, and they have no center. Cody Zeller, I think, right now. And with Terry Rozier and uh, Miles Bridges, who are who is 
on the uprise, I think this is a good pick. So right. I think that probably that would be the Hornets took the most talented player on the board, which is a smart smart route for them. I'm also on NBADraftRoom.com, and I just saw the, the, the comparison for James Wiseman is Anthony Davis Light. So that would be yeah, – wow. That's insane. Um, I think the number two pick is going to be belonging to probably Cleveland or – I would say Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to have them taking – I would say Anthony Edwards, but the mm-hmm. fact that the um, – Cavs now have two point guards that they want to run Sexton and Garland at the backcourt. So I'm not sure where Edwards fits in there. I'm sure he could play small four, but he's a bit undersized for that. So if they're going for a small forward or like a big man, they might have to reach because the next best players on the board are guards in LaMelo Ball, Cole Anthony, Anthony Edwards, RJ Hampton. I think they might go with an Isaiah Stewart here. He's mm-hmm. just he's a big uh he's just a big dominant power forward slash center and he just he will be able to develop like if he can develop a better a better outside game he's already a decent mid-range player but if you can a better outside game I think he can be a great 20 and 10 guy with some pretty great efficiency so I think they might have to reach for a, a position of need at two or if they want to trade mm-hmm. back all right well I'm I'm just gonna say three um I know you know slim possibility but I'm gonna go with the Grizzlies have the third pick right yeah so I'm gonna say <clears throat> they already have um they drafted John Morant last year you know he's a they say he's an Allen Iverson type player um you know I think with I think they need some height right so I, think, I would say they need height, except for they have Jaron Jackson. Yeah, but I I don't know. I if you're gonna have somebody, that, you're gonna need somebody to offset with Jaw. So if if it's me, I'm going either Marcus Howard or Cassius Winston. I don't know which one. One of the mm-hmm. either either way, I'm gonna be happy. That's I mean, uh that's an interesting pick there. I mean, like Marcus Howard, he's. How many, he was a monster. I don't even know how many points he averaged, but it was you know in the in the upper um, I don't know twenties ish. That's I mean upper it, echelon. Yeah, and I mean if you could just kind of have a guy that's consistent at that in scoring, and then you have John who's electric, can shoot from outside, which he does all the time. You can have him drive in, and then Jaron Jackson on defense, getting the ball to them every time. You know, have a uh, Odd man rush, you know, that's easy. That'll be a fun team. That's yeah, a fun that would team. be a fun team. I, yeah. you know, Jaron Jackson and John Morant already have, you know, great chemistry and they've been teammates for uh, not that long, actually. So it's, um, I think that's going to be the thing that's, that kind of brings the life back to them. Um, you know, Ja could obviously do a lot for them um, this year, but next year is when it gets down to the nitty gritty and they need to start um, building up a little bit. I like the. I've always liked the Grizzlies, so um, I think just this will um, propel them a little bit to the top. So, keeping in mind that John Morant is going to be the point guard of the future for them, where will you see Winston or Howard fitting in? Would you see them moving Morant to the two, or where would you see that fitting in? Because I would have gone wing here because they have John Morant point guard, and they have Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson, who can be their front court of the future. I would have gone with a wing like Edwards, but. Why, like, where do you see the point guards that you selected fitting in with the Grizzlies team? I mean, if you were to take, 
Winston, um, I mean, you could probably put Jot at the two. And just that would Winston. be the only solution, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, either way, you're going to get maximum points out of them. Um, as long as you can put them both in a lineup together. So, I mean, either way, you're going to be happy with uh, the production. That's true. Um, so, at four, I think it's going to be the Wizards, and I am extremely happy right now if I'm the Wizards. Um, I think it's John Wall's time to go. He's injury-prone. I don't even know if he'll play this year. They're going to get rid of him. I'm getting Anthony Edwards here. Pair him up with um, Bradley Beal, 6'4", 205 at point guard. He's huge. He's perfect at attacking. Like, he's a combo guard for the modern NBA. He's um, athletically gifted, and he's skilled in the half-court game. Um, even though John Wall could come back, they don't really need him. But I think they're going to get rid of him because he's getting up there in age. The The injury he just had, um, him and um, Bradley Beal will be a great combo. I could see them going on um, big man here, like a center. No, they have Thomas Bryant. I forgot about him. And Rui Hachimura, who they just picked, is a good um, forward. So I think the best pick here is Anthony Edwards. Okay, so you would say that Edwards at the one and Beal at the two? Yep. Okay, so then the next pick that I have, I have the Suns. And the Suns have – are they just signed Ricky Rubio, but he's not the long-term answer for the to be the backcourt partner with uh, elite scorer Devin Booker. I – I'm deciding between two point guards here. I'm deciding between RJ Hampton, who is now in New Zealand playing for the NBL in the professional New Zealand basketball league, or Cole Anthony from UNC. Mm-hmm. I think I would go with RJ Hampton. I just think that Cole mm-hmm. Anthony is lightning quick, but like Hampton is, is a taller guy and he's, they're more of like a, He's more of a he's I think I think Cole Anthony is best of a, better of a passer, but I think Hampton has a more well-rounded all-around game, and especially his pull-up uh, jumper is just it's lethal. I've seen it all over mixtapes, and it's, it's great. I just think that him and Devin Booker would be a great um, one-two in the backcourt along with Aiden. I think that team could be once they find some some forwards for that team. I think that team could be pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think uh, yeah, Rubio is. He's more of an assist kind of guy, more of a dimer. So I think Hampton would be the long-term answer, especially because Booker, how young he is, and Aiton. They have Kelly Ray at forward, who isn't too, too bad. So I think they'd be able to be a fringe playoff team. Yeah. Um, In, like, a year or two. Not not anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely – I can definitely see that. Um, the next pick, I can, I'm going to go with the Magic just because, you know, I mean – I, who, who they just star? made the playoffs. I, I don't know, dude. I, I just think, like, the star player, you have Mark Hel- Okay. Now you have me thinking, right? But uh, I don't know, because you have. Hmm. Vucevic. Let, I mean, they me... have Vucevic and they re signed him, but they just made the playoffs. But now their point guard is either going to be Fultz. Or if he struggles, DJ Augustine. I just I see them being like nine seed, like barely missing on the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see them being top top like eight. Okay, uh, you're right. in the in the lottery. Okay. No, but you never know. I mean, one injury, one That's injury, true. one one regression. Like Aaron Gordon, just like I don't see this happening. Like yeah. just like stops playing at yeah. his level that he's been playing at. I really like Aaron Gordon. He's a 
He's a nice compliment. If, He's a nice player for you, that team. If I were you, uh, Noah, I'd think I'd slot in the New York Knicks right there. I do not think they're a good team. I I don't know. I, I think, would agree with that. I don't. I can't. I'm gonna give the. I'm gonna give them a little bit of time. Not gonna lie. Um, I, uh, dude, I don't. Oh, uh, okay. You know what? No, I'll I'll go. I'll go with the Knicks. Okay, and then if I'm the Knicks, honestly, I'm gonna take either. They already have a shooting guard. They have their small forward. I they have. I could see center. them getting Lamelo Ball for the big name in New York. I could. I was going to say that. I was yeah. going to say that. Yeah, I could see that happening. I completely forgot about Lamelo Ball. Um, I don't know. I think everybody's kind of overhyping him because he's playing overseas and like yeah, overseas. They there's competition there, but if you're gonna put him, you know, in anywhere in a normal college, then I think he'll definitely get you know kind of put in his place a little bit. Um, but that definitely makes sense that you put him in a huge market. Um, Lavar is definitely gonna be happy because he has a son in New York and a son in LA. Um, yeah, I'll just I, I'm I'm just gonna go around with that just just because I think him and RJ Barrett um will kind of be a good um a good team to watch and you know then you have cancer and then everybody so yeah I, I, I'll go with that I could also see right. uh, a point guard just like Cole Anthony because he's a really good passer and RJ Barrett doesn't pass all that what? much so I think they would be a, a great matchup a great combo what yep definitely can see that All right, Dom, your pick. Oh, we're are we going around again? Oh, actually, oh I no. think it's, all right. Um, we I mean we don't have to. Yeah, but no, no, that's good. I think we're getting into the realm of players that we don't know much about. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. yeah so twenty days until college basketball, definitely hyped up for that. Um, you know, got a March Madness. Big thing to watch. Um, I think it would definitely be the standard teams, like you said, Dylan. Maybe Memphis could be up there. Um, you never know. Um, I think if any year, if there's going to be some switch around, it's going to be this one just because there's there were so many good players that went into places that we didn't expect. So, um, yeah, I, yep. I'm definitely excited for this season. Um, I think, you know, if with everything going on, um, there's going to be a lot to talk about um, between us anyway, but we're going to keep you guys informed. Um, one last update uh, from the NFL that just came out from the NFL uh, before we leave is the Packers are signing Ryan Grant, um, free agent Ryan Grant, and they released um, their running back Trey Carson. Who, I mean, if you're a, a Packers fan, you know who he is. Otherwise, you don't. Yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. Um, a last little note here. Um, if you're a fantasy owner, uh, Tyra Williams was diagnosed with plantar fasciitis. Um, that could be long-term. Gruden said it's not good. So before your league knows, maybe get rid of him, which I'm doing. Also, just uh, just keep an eye on Devontae Adams. I mean, he's been out two straight weeks with a turf toe. Yep. Personally, I have him on my fantasy team. He hasn't played the past two weeks. Um, so just keep an eye on him, monitor him. Don't put him in your lineup yet because we don't know if he'll start yet. There are a few other players just to keep an eye on, but I think that He's like the one of the biggest names. Also, if you're, I don't know what to think about uh, Juju Smith Schuster with his new quarterback. Even when Rudolph comes back, I I didn't 
bench him accidentally and he didn't do too well. Um, <laughs> also, I'm I'm this is not new news, but this is definitely relevant fantasy news given how he had been producing the past uh, few weeks. Will Disley, Seahawks tight end, yep. is yeah. towards Achilles and he's out for the Horrible. year. He was I had picked him up from the waivers. He had been to my starting tight end. I think I still won that matchup though <laughs> after he uh right. went out in the second quarter. So just watch out for injuries and uh we'll keep you updated with, with everything sports coming in the uh next episode that we have. Yeah, um next week, you know, we're gonna be putting out an episode. Um we'll definitely try to it's gonna be getting to the nitty gritty of the NFL season. You know, it's gonna be um, around the halfway point and that's gonna be um where everything kinda comes into play. The NFL deadline trade deadline will be coming up soon. So um, we're definitely going to keep you guys updated. Make sure to follow On The Call Sports on Instagram. Um, we're going to be posting all of our podcasts up on there and also on um, Anchor and, you know, everything else, Spotify. Um, Spotify, Apple, yeah, Apple Podcasts Apple, or um, music. I'm not even yeah, sure. I yeah, think Apple all, Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, um, all that stuff. So uh, thank you guys for listening, um, and we will catch you guys wow. next time. All right, see you guys. All right. Yeah, all right. Talk to um, you guys next episode. Just, yeah.